Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I am someone that thinks gold because I have accepted my failures and I am working towards my success. Hmm. Welcome to Think Gold Media. I am your host, Ivory Frimpong, and here on the Think Gold Podcast, I interview guests who come from all walks of life. We talk about topics ranging from spirituality and the deeper meaning behind life, all the way to topics like dealing with adversity and overcoming failure. Ultimately, my goal is to reach beyond social norms and have conversations with people that you wouldn't normally hear on a daily basis. If I can inspire one person, just one person to take away something from this episode, and this platform has done its job. If this is your first time tuning in, I welcome you to the Think Gold family, and I urge you to follow us on all social media platforms at Think Gold Media. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy today's episode, and Think Gold. So today on the podcast, we have Sean Antoine, former University of Rhode Island graduate, now writer, producer, photographer, director, and owner of his own media platform called Perplexion. He also directed a short film back in 2020 called Showtime that shed light on the New York dance scene, which actually got into 52 film festivals and won five of them. This is a guy who I call the Renaissance man. He's done a lot he's been involved in a lot at such a young age this is somebody I played football with I was a young pup he was an older guy and this is someone I was working on movies while he was playing football at University of Rhode Island just a phenomenal guy someone we could all learn from and I hope today you guys are able to see why he is someone who is thinking gold and someone that we want to look up to and ultimately learn from so I'm extremely excited today because me and Sean haven't talked and you know haven't been able to communicate as much as we we wanted to and and now is an opportunity to to do just that so sean welcome to the podcast thanks for coming thanks on today, brother me. yeah thank you for having me i've uh spent some time but i'm very proud of everything you've been doing with think gold and uh i'm just excited to uh, be a guest today yes sir so we've been trying to nail down a time with sean and We've been all over the place. So at first we we're going to do a Sunday morning. That's my ideal time, you know, and and we just weren't able to connect on Sunday morning. So now it's Monday, 10, 21 p.m. And uh, Sean had to push it back because he was working on set today. Sean, you said you were working 15 hours. Yeah, about that. Uh, today was a, you know, first day out the week. So uh, I probably worked like 13, 14 hours. Um, hmm. but, uh, you know, find time to, uh, do important stuff. So I'm, I'm just glad to be <laughs> here and, uh, make, you know, make time with you to, uh, you know, just shed some light and, uh, hopefully whatever we discuss could, uh, you know, be of assistance for people, you know? Hmm. Amen. What I say, what I say, this show is going to be, going to be on, it's going to be on the late night show. Late night. This is, uh, <laughs> this is your late night show edition. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I just want to go straight into it, man. So Showtime, right? And correct me if I'm wrong, but you were working on that film as a senior in college, right? 
Yeah, so uh, I actually was writing Showtime back in my uh, junior summer while I was in L.A. Um, right before training camp, I went out to L.A. for a couple of months. Um, I interned out there. And then, uh, yeah, I actually de kept developing Showtime until it was time to film. And I did that during our spring break. Um, go I believe, yeah, that was my senior year, spring break. We shot the film over uh, three days. So, uh, yeah, it was right in the middle of football and school. So. so I remember I always talk about this story when I was a freshman in college. And it might have been a freshman or sophomore year, but I was always one who was really at that time, all I had was football. And I was putting so much pressure on myself. And I remember having a conversation with you and you were just like, yeah, man, I mean, life is bigger than football. Like we were on the field having this conversation, but you had said something like life is bigger than football, man. This stuff is really just, you know, it's, it is what it is talking about football. And I was like, man, hold up. So not everybody has the same mentality as me about, you know, making football their everything and trying to go to the league. How did, when did that mindset come in that you were more than just an athlete? Well, you know, um, it, it's good that you mentioned that we had conversations like that, even on the field. Um, and it wasn't like to discourage anybody uh, in their pursuits to hopefully go pro or to get everything out of, you know, the college football opportunity. Um but for me, it happened uh, my freshman year. I was playing a lot. I started a couple games. I got injured. And, uh, you know, when you're injured in college football, you really get to see at least my perspective. And I was fortunate enough to see was that college football is a business. Hmm. And, you know, in every business, you're an asset or a liability. And there's nothing wrong with that. Once you become injured, you then, you know, transition into being somewhat of a liability to mm -hmm. uh, business, you know, which is college football. How did you know? I didn't mean to cut you off, but how do you know when you're an asset or a liability? Like, how one is is it just the aura you get from the coaches, or how did you how do you know when when that's happening to you? Well, you know, in football, especially when you're on scholarship, technically you're already a liability until you prove and you've shown your value that they can use you. Hmm. Um, I would consider an asset, especially as we talk about like football players someone who can add to the program. But when you're injured, you're actually taking resources from the program, um, whether that's training, them having to price out surgeries. So then, you you know, I, I kind of took it as, all right, you're a liability at this moment. Um, you know, it's not much you can bring to the table and, you know, for lack of words, the program at that time. So, uh, you know, just alluding to what I was speaking on before, um, once I got injured, it was like, all right, what can I provide for, you know, the program? And that was kind of my focus initially. Mm. And I had to realize, well, the program really isn't too worried about me besides hopefully getting me healthy, but I do have the opportunity to be on full scholarship at a four-year university. Mm. Uh, that's where sort of my mentality transferred. I was like, all right, cool. If this is a business, I got to be the best businessman possible. How can I get everything out of this opportunity? Um, not, not even just from a monetary standpoint, but more so from all the things that the university offers. So hmm. that's kind of where my mentality shifted. Um, I still went hard in football, but uh, more than just, you know, it just being football, I had to make sure I needed to elevate everything in my life at that point, especially while I was fortunate enough to be on scholarship. So that's probably where that conversation between me and you came from. It was like, look, dude, football is amazing, but you can do more. 
that's kind of like, you know, not only to you, but I spoke to some of the younger guys because I've seen dudes before me get injured. Same thing. And I didn't realize it until it happened to me. Like, oh, shoot, this football thing is tougher than I thought. And, you know, especially when you get injured, you realize, all right, I got to persevere and overcome so much more. And, uh, you know, I, I just tried to, as often as I could, speak to some of the younger dudes on the team and tell them, like, man, take advantage of this opportunity. And uh, fortunately enough, it, it, it broke through for some of you. Um, so I, I felt like I at least played somewhat of a role in at least enlightening you guys and uh, just, you know, trying to get you guys to think about other things while trying to um, achieve at such a high level on the football field. Hmm. So that leads me to my next question, right? And this goes back to, you know, us being athletes, us playing sports, us being involved in it at such a young age. You know, many people that look like us, black and brown kids, right? You know, we feel like the only way to be successful is to play sports, right? Play football, play basketball, or get into music, get into rapping, right? But you, like I said, the Renaissance, man, like you got involved in film and in production, right? Yeah. Not even from like content creation, but you were in there with a, you know, a big ass camera, you're working on scripts, like you're actually doing the thing, right? Like why did film catch your attention, right? And why go down that path? Yeah. Um, interesting, interestingly enough, um, just film in general, it had a system very similar to football, hmm. which really attracted me to it. Um, football has play calls, right? Similar to a film having a script. You got hmm. a game plan similar to script that's kind of how you know just a basis parallel and then even the team and how it functions all right you got a director who's probably similar to a head coach or a quarterback then you got everybody else that's supporting the quarterback hopefully in the goal of like winning and having like you know in this case a film so mm -hmm. like these kind of parallels kind of uh really attracted me to film and then I also was really attracted to the fact that I could actually create something something that wasn't just you know 30 seconds on Instagram or on YouTube for like people to see in passing, but hopefully something that could last and pass through generations. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what really attracted me to film. I, I thought storytelling was just so important. Uh, when I was coming up through my whole high school recruiting process, I had to market myself. I had to really tell my story to hopefully attract college coaches. And uh, similar, similar to film, it was like, all right, how do I convey these stories to other people and kind of find a common ground? So that's what really attracted me to production initially. Uh, and then from there, I just fell in love with it. It was like, wow, I'm learning and constantly in a place of like, All right, I want to get better at it. And I just mm. kept working at the craft and uh, I became addicted to it. I became obsessed to uh, just perfecting it. And, um, you know, I grew up watching movies um, as a kid. I used to my dad used to record the football games of my youth team and I would start editing it and everything. So uh that's really how, you know, I just got, I guess, infatuated and fell in love with film. Mm. Yeah, going back to that point of, you know, being, you know, an African-American, being a Black individual and, you know, going the film route rather than playing ball, getting into music. With that being said, you said, you know, it's important to tell my story. Yeah. Do you feel kind of added weight to tell your story and to tell people in your community story? Being that, you know, 
we weren't able to tell our story for so long? You know, do you feel like that's part of the creative process and what you're trying to show to people in the world? Yeah, for me, um, storytelling is just, it's always been something very important to me. Um, my grandfather was a college professor, well, is a college professor up in Toronto, but he's always telling me tons of stories about history and he's always giving me books, right? Mm. And I kind of took, I've never been much of like, all right, I want to read a bunch. Um, I've developed that trait, but I've always been somebody just, you know, I'm much more receptive to visual messages and mm. visual stories. So, uh, yeah, that's that's really how um, if that's answering your question, kind of like that's that's kind of like the way I wanted to transition into yeah. uh, why should I tell stories? Well, because a lot of my friends don't really want to read the books. Hmm. And, you know, there has to be another medium, I felt, to document our history. I'm going to just document stories in general. Um, I've always said the saddest thing is when people have lived a phenomenal life and there's not a story to be shown or even told. Hmm. And a lot of times, you know, especially in like, unfortunately, like black communities, these stories will go, I guess, unheard of um, to outside people. And uh, film at least gives you that op opportunity, especially documentary films, to kind of capture people in those moments and uh, allow these moments to be replayed for however long. Hmm. No, I feel like that's, I feel like that saying, what's the saying where it's like, there's my story, there's his story, then there's the story of actually how it happened, right? And there's so many different perspectives of how things went down, right? And I yeah. think it's important to, one, control that narrative, right? Because people who are watching these films, we think from watching these films, that's the truth, right? Yeah. And so I always think that's just, I don't really know about the creative process, you know, when it comes to filmmakers, but I feel like there's a lot of weight that they have to portray something in a truthful light, right? And so I think that's that's awesome. Um, when you talk about guys like what Nate Parker, right, Birth of a Nation, right, and and what he did with that film. But speaking of Nate Parker, you actually got a chance to work with him on the Showtime film, right? Yeah, Nate. Uh, he's actually one of my mentors, my big bro. Um, we actually got to work on Showtime. He hopped on as an executive producer. And uh, yeah, Nate has always just been a person that um, really guided me in film. When I first started back in 2015, uh, transitioning into 2016, he actually invited me to his uh, summer film program. So once again, right before football training camp for a week, I went out to, uh, where was it? Marshall, Texas. Hmm. Um, and yeah, Nate- What the was, heck's in Marshall, Texas? I've never heard uh, of Marshall, Texas. Texas. <laughs> it's actually a lot of history um, out there. So, got Wiley College. So I don't know if you've ever seen the film Great Debaters. I have not, um, nope. Zell and uh, who else is in it? Forrest Whitaker. Okay. And, um, Nate actually was in that film as well. So what he did was after he won Sundance in 2016, he actually decided to fund and start his own summer film, like intensive uh, for 30 black and brown kids throughout the country. So he wow. flew us all out. And uh, he's been doing it for the last eight years. And what he does during that week is he partners all, all of us with um, different professionals in each field. So whether you're a director, a writer, a producer, um, he all he pairs us all up. And uh, he just allows us to learn for a week. And then we ultimately, at the end of the week, create a film. Hmm. So creating that film, right? Showtime, short film, 
you can watch that on Sean Antoine the second.com, right? Yep, you can watch it there if you just Google uh, Showtime by Sean Antoine the second. Uh, it should pop up as well. Um, but yeah, that's that's how I met Nate though. He's a great dude, and then from there he just really guided me and helped make sure that I, I was along the right path as a uh, as a young black filmmaker, for lack of words. And um, very thankful for that. There's not a lot of uh, black men that are actually willing to reach out in the film industry and just help. Mm. And, uh, you know, he he's definitely been a person that I can say um, has been, you know, just so important to my success. Hmm. Yeah. One thing I'm realizing is the impact of mentors. Right. For the longest time, I felt like I could do it all by myself. Right. But with the Showtime film, Sean. Right. And all the accolades that you got. Right. Fifty two different film festivals. You got seven or five of them that you actually won. Right. And and that opened the doors for, for so many other things. Did you see the success coming? Uh, with Showtime, honestly, I did. <laughs> it was one of those things where I prayed a lot on it. I prepared mm. um, just so diligently. And uh, my community really supported that film. Um, I believe we had over 130 people from my neighborhood, Rhode Island, L.A., all over, really like, hey, I'm going to put forth some type of money to make sure that this film gets made because oh. we even you as a filmmaker and even more so as a leader. And uh, I mean, just those three days where we were filming and then even in post-production and editing, like there was a special type of energy and just, I felt like there was a divine presence there. Like mm. so many times things- Divine presence, wow. Talk about that. What do you mean by that? Just like a <laughs> lot of moments, it just felt like, it was going to be the end while we were filming, whether it was the police coming involved or, uh, you know, just actor stuff. But, you know, it was yeah. uh, it was one of those things where it was like, wow, this is special. And mm. everybody involved really wanted to be there. There wasn't a lot of money darn there for some people. They volunteered in the blistering cold. Um, but it was just a special moment between people. And uh, more importantly, it, it was... Um, it was something that needed to be done for the community. That story is one that so many people can relate to. Hmm. And uh, yeah, man, whether it was, you know, well, I'll say whether it was God and even the ancestors playing a role in that, I really oh. did feel like I was being guided and uh, more so like everybody in my crew was being protected throughout it all. So when I speak of like a divine presence, it just felt like, you know, there was something bigger than us happening. Wow. Wow. So when you think about, and I know you said you, you, you could see the success coming, right? Yeah. And then when it comes, right, and you got opportunities to work on, you know, big name Netflix projects, right? And, you know, you're only the age of, of 24, 23 at the time, right? Now, how did that viewpoint on success change, if at all, right? What was that? What does success look like for you now, being yeah. that you kind of got introduced to, hey, you know, I'm next to so-and-so, you know, in, in Hollywood. I'm next to this person in Hollywood. Like, how do you see success shaking out for Sean Antoine now? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've been fortunate enough to work on some pretty big shows and uh, films. Um, and just, you know, the way I feel when I'm around these people who are just, you know, in that environment. One, I feel like, all right, I'm here because I put in the work and I'm supposed to be here. That's first and foremost. But more importantly, um, when I speak to so many people in the industry, 
it, it allows me to realize that I have time. There's no rush. Mm. Immediate success does not mean a lifetime of success. And, uh, you know, there's people that, you know, have had success at an early age that I've seen. And there's people that have had later success. At the end of the day, it's just, you know, more importantly, where you're going to finish at, at the end of it all. But um, when I'm around these people, I, I definitely feel motivated. I feel like, one, I'm supposed to be here, like I said before, but more importantly, like, I can do what they do at some point. Not ready yet, but, you know, just the fact that I see and I'm learning and all those type of things, that's just bettering me and my development. Um, but, you know, it's, it's always an amazing opportunity to meet and work with people that are so much further along in their, in their career than you. And, uh, yeah, I'm just constantly in a state of learning, but it feels good. <laughs> hmm. What have you seen from from some of those guys that you met, right? Um, I don't know. I know you met, like, you know, Robert De Niro, Chadwick Boseman. You know, from those guys, have you had an insight into their work ethic at all? Was there any moment where you where you saw something that was like, okay, that's why he's there. Yeah. That's why he's made it. Um, I would say there was one person in particular. Uh, I remember I was working on the blacklist. Um, mm -hmm. I was there for season seven, and I got a chance to just be around and see James Spader. And one thing I've always noticed about some of these professionals, especially in like the film industry, but even like I've met business owners, I've met billionaires. There's an immense discipline about them, which if that makes sense, um, I'm more so referring to how they carry themselves, how they speak, just their aura. You can tell that they're very composed, disciplined. Mm. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, there's a very, there's an immense kind of focus to them. Yeah, yeah. I think when we're talking about people that have been able to attain so much success, uh, you got to be focused. You got to be disciplined. And uh, more importantly, you got to be persistent. Every mm -hmm. one of these people that I've met, they've had so many so many different types of obstacles, but they've always found a way to break through. But more importantly, they just stuck with it. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's something that I try to like, at least from everybody I meet, I try to pick up one thing and, um, I'm always trying to nitpick like, man, I love the way they handled that. I love the way they spoke this way. I love the way they even sometimes dressed. <laughs> like, so all of these things like, you know, add to my, you know, my repertoire. But um, yeah, those are some of the things that like, I just pick up on is like, wow, that discipline that they had there, that sense of focus, that's something that I'm trying to work towards. And uh, it just definitely inspires me. Yeah, no, I feel like some of the most successful people that I've seen is it's that discipline point that you spoke on and it's to that it's doing things that you necessarily don't want to do all the time. Right. Yeah. It's, it's going home and, you know, it's opening up your laptop and, and working on that piece of content, right. It's, it's going through that scene again. Yep. And it's crazy when you look at just, you know, the difference between winning and losing is so slim, right. It literally could be that extra 30 minutes that you just put Right, literally could be us, you know, when you said, hey, you know, can we do the podcast at 10, 15? It's me saying no, right? And then this being the best podcast ever, but since I said no, I miss out on the opportunity, right? And I think, um, you know, that goes to your point about being disciplined. Um, going on your website, SeanAntoineTheSecond.com, right? I saw one of your mantras is to inform and to inspire, right? And, and that kind of speaks for itself, right? But can you kind of dive deeper into that? 
And I would say, is that kind of like, when you think about your oval overarching purpose, would yeah. that be it to inform and to inspire? Yeah. Um, I actually heard this years ago. I was on YouTube. Uh, there's a show that I like that was in the nineties called the Phil Donahue show. And uh, there was this guest, Khalid Muhammad. And he said, he was just speaking about, you know, the fight that black people have went through throughout years and uh, why he's so standoffish. And uh, he said he does that because black people are one of information and inspiration. And Mm -hmm. that was one of the most powerful things that, you know, I think about like church, politics, food, the way we consume media. And, you know, it wasn't just for him saying that I was, I was directly thinking of like, Black people, of course, but that's for everyone. And information and inspiration is something that at least through my works, I'm trying to at least kind of um, trying to have in it. And uh, that was one of the things that I just picked up on early in my film career. And uh, just I just try to continue that throughout every project. I, how did I inform? How did I inspire? How did I inform? How did I inspire? And uh, sometimes the inspire comes before the inform, but, you know, Nonetheless, if I get those things done in a project, I just feel like, or even through my, my photography, if I get that yeah. done, everything that I do, mm. I, feel that it, I feel like it was a success. Got you. Okay. Form and to inspire. Okay. I like that. Inspiration and information. It's a powerful thing, man. Where do you get your information from, Sean? Right? You're, you're pouring out, you're pouring out, you're pouring out. What are you pouring inside? And where do you get that from? Uh... Like many people, I get a lot of information <clears throat> from the internet. Um, What's your favorite social media platform? So I know you're active on Twitter a little bit. I think you were you were kind of active on Twitter before Elon Musk was on there. You were yeah. you were still tweeting every once in a while. <laughs> no, I like Twitter. Twitter is cool because it's just such a diverse range of people. Yeah. So I would say probably Twitter is my favorite social media. Um, they got so many different type of clubs in Twitter and really you don't have to say anything. Do you ever go on to them? <laughs> no, no, I don't say much. I just read. Yeah. I just read to see what people say. Gotcha. Someone in the comments might say something I agree with, but hmm. that's about it. But um, as far as my, where I get my information from, uh, a lot of times from people and then I'll fact check it. <laughs> I'll be like, all right, that was great, but let me fact check it. But you know, I, I'm very in- informed and even inspired by the stories people tell. Mm. I think that's a powerful thing. Um, how we consume information is something that I'm very infatuated with. Uh, Me too. The way stories are passed around. It, we're in such a unique time right now where yeah. you know, you can construct the truth and facts with whatever information you have. Whether yeah. you have all of the information or you have some of it, you can kind of put together what you want. But um I read as well. Um, but really, I you know, it's like everything, man. We we get it from social media platforms. I have a New York Times membership, so I read there as well. I watch the news every night. Hmm. Uh yeah, I'm I'm you listen to Sean, do you listen to Gary V at all? I don't listen to Gary V. Uh man. For me, Gary V <laughs> Gary V was one of the pioneers of the social media thing. Before Early you on. say what you're about to say, I feel like everybody has either a really positive thing to say about Gary V and they're on the train or they're completely off the train. So I might know where you're going with but, this, but by the way you're talking. This, <laughs> Gary V 
I don't watch Gary V, but mm-hmm. I do understand how he inspired so many other people on the social medias that do similar stuff as him. Yeah. Whether teaching people how to do certain things, inspiring people. He he kind of like set the tone and the trends for all of that to uh follow him. But um yeah, I think Gary V is cool. It just, you know, I, I think like all social media people or just influencers, depends who you want to follow. Yeah. You know, stuff. He said something that really stuck out to me when I was listening to a podcast of him uh, on the way home from work the other day. And he said, you know, we're in a very unique time, right? If we look 200 years from now, we are going to be the starting point of our generations, right? Because of social media. And he was like, if you look at your parents' lives, their lives aren't documented on social media the way your life will be, right? But Sean, your great, great, great grandchildren are going to be able to pull up Instagram and see everything that you've done. Yeah. Whereas like, I don't even, I can't do that to my grandpa. You know, I can't do that to my grandma. I don't know what she was doing in her, you know, her twenties. And, but I just thought about that. And with that being said, it's, it's kind of scary, but it's like, it makes social media cooler. Right. If you think about it like that, right. I'll I'll tell you this. That sounds great. (laughs) <laughs> but you probably were too young. You didn't have a MySpace. Everybody thought that MySpace would be there forever until it got true. all completely wiped out. So we don't know. <laughs> true. No, very true. That's but, a good point. But I will say, though, that's why I make films. Mm. So my great, great grandkids could be like, oh, yeah, look what my grandfather did. My great grandfather did back in the days. But social mm. media, man, I, I mean, the whole tech wave and social media, especially documenting our photos and stuff, it scares me sometimes. Because yeah. at any moment you could be hacked, your stuff could be wiped out, and tons of memories are gone. So many Very people like I was in high school. None of us really have high school photos no more unless they was on Facebook. And even then, there's not even all of them. A lot of mm. our phones and all that stuff. We went through tons of iPhones before it was iCloud, and all that stuff is gone. So I would tell anybody, man, please try to like have physical photos, have it on a hard drive. But do not rely on social media for your memories. At any moment, it could go. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, but this generation we're in, I feel like it's almost here forever. I don't know. I don't. I don't see Instagram being the same as as MySpace because what it's owned by Facebook now, and it's all oh, being monopolized. Yeah, it's. it's so I don't know what's going on. I, I, I just say, man, do not rely on the social medias for all your memories. It could be dangerous, man. What if yeah. you get hacked? Yeah, just true. People are getting hacked left and right. <laughs> it's scary, man. So, left and right. Um, but I, I do agree with Gary Vito, man. We're in a very interesting time. Um, technology is 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 only we're only at the beginning of it, hmm. and uh, we'll constantly want to adapt and uh, hope. Hopefully, you know the world will continue to transform so that we're able to uh, adapt to it. Hmm. Uh, because you know, at some point, let's hope that we're still in control of all the technology and stuff, and it's not the other way around. Mm-hmm. Last last point, right? I want to ask you this. So, because I, I think it's an interesting time that we live in, because of also from a business standpoint, this is kind of like an opportunity to give out give out game for free, right? These businesses are coming to social media platforms, and they're they're using it to create bigger market share right and i always say from from what think gold is trying to do is like we're trying to take advantage of this time period right because who knows instagram can start charging you 
to create business content, right? So I think for anybody listening to this who has a craft or a passion, right, or is making film, and that's why I like Gary Vee so much, is now is the opportunity to get, to get that out there because you don't know how long you'll be able to do it. Um, thoughts on that? Uh, I think it's early to say, man. I think yeah. like everything is being monetized now because it was free for so long and like, you know, these companies have to actually make money now, especially tech companies. But it's early. I don't I don't really mm. have any thoughts on it. I think, like I said before, we're going to have to constantly adapt. Mm. If you're on Instagram so bad, then you're going to have to pay for it. Mm. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, I don't really have too many thoughts on that, honestly. Yeah. If you couldn't tell, I'm a tech guy, Sean. No, I love tech too. <laughs> I'm, try, I'm trying to hopefully, hopefully in my future, I could retire from all the social media, man. <laughs> okay. That's, that's the goal. I don't, social media is cool, but I, I want to live comfortably, relax. Yeah. I don't have to, you know, I, I can be away from all the quote unquote competitive nature on social media. It's crazy. Yeah. So with, with film, Sean, do you feel like you're at the stage where you're, you're kind of seen? Seen? Seen. Yep. Uh, I'm seeing so the way the way the, the reason I ask this right is because there's a lot of I'm sure there's a lot of creators and filmmakers right who are still working to get their their content seen by people right and they're not at the level that you're at right yeah and so segueing into my next question is what advice do you have for people in the film space? that are looking to get seen, that are looking for to get to that next jump to maybe working on a blacklist, to working on some Netflix shows. Like, what advice do you have for those people? If any. I, I think you got to be very, you have to be very clear in your intentions. Um, hmm. If you want to be a filmmaker, you have to make films. If you want to be in the business of film, then you got to kind of find ways to navigate and see where you fit in. This film is, I mean, there's hundreds of different jobs you can have within the film industry. Hmm. You, you have to be intentional with the way in your course. And, uh, you know, my advice would really be, you know, if you want to make movies, you got to just start by making something. It doesn't matter what equipment you're using. Just go out there and shoot something. Um, my path was different, I would say, but everybody's is in the industry. Um, I went by just started making films. I got into a couple festivals. I kept going to festivals. I kept creating. Then I was able to, you know, fortunate enough to be an assistant to people, which is very difficult. Um, but I was able to assist some people in the industry. But my advice is, you know, back to just my advice, you got to find a way, a way to kind of just be around it. The mm -hmm. more you're around film and production, uh, what do they say? It's the law of attraction. So if Amen. you have sets, you're going to be attracted to sets. Amen. You're not directors, you're probably going to be the next director. Like, so those are kind of the things I would say, but more, more so, man, you got to know what you want to do. And it's hard. But the best way you can find out what you want to do, you just got to be around it. You got to just start doing stuff. And if you're not doing anything, you can't really expect anything to happen. That was good advice. I feel like law of attraction is real. Law, law of attraction is, is true. Um, obviously you just can't sit on your ass and start thinking about stuff and it's going to come to you. But speaking of, speaking of attraction, right. What are you, what are you attracting in your life right now? Right. So you're 
Sean, you're 25, correct? 26. 26. 26. Yeah, we had the same birthday in August. So, you know, thinking about your life and kind of what the next step is for you, what are you manifesting? What are you attracting? What are you trying to bring into your life in this season that we're in right now? Uh, I'm really trying to attract um, better leadership skills. Hmm. want to really become, you know, when I speak on leadership skills, I think there's so many things that go under being a leader, right? Okay. I want to be better in my communication. Um, I want to be a better friend. Uh, you know, I want to be, you know, obviously a better filmmaker. I want to be um, a harder worker. So just some of those, those are some of the things I'm really trying to attract upon myself um, through my daily, my daily actions. And, uh, you know, hopefully I, and I, I'll be missing out if I, you know, slip missing this, if I didn't say I'm really trying to attract more projects that really speak to who I am, hmm. right? How, how are these projects uh, reflective upon my values and what I stand for? And just really trying to stick with that. Um, that's really big for me is just trying to make sure that every project I put out is something I'm proud of. So I'm really trying to attract just more stories that uh, need to be told and that I can align with. Got you. So really last question here. On your way to doing that, right? On your way to attracting all those things, becoming a better leader, you know, getting some projects that um, that actually mean something to you. How do you deal with the pressure to get there? Right. If at all. No, I don't want to put that um, on. One of the biggest things that I've been doing to my doing for myself lately is just really been like being patient. Um, I can make, if I wanted to, I can make 10 films a year. But that doesn't mean it's 10 films that I'm proud of and that I feel like equally as good as other work that I've put out. I'm really trying to make sure that I'm patient with my work. Um, I'm refining my craft. I'm just trying to be a lot sharper. And uh, yeah, that that's really where I'm at with it, is just trying to really make sure that like I'm putting forth just the best work that I really can and that I'm really just taking my time, man. Mm. There's no rush. Like, I hope to live a very long life, but more so I hope to live a very, like, successful in my own sense. Mm. Also, just, like, everything that I do, I'm proud of. And that's really what I'm striving towards. Just, you know, be patient, man. You got time. Amen. Got time to do it right. That's a word right there. Yeah, I want to do it right and exact. So, you know, that's, that's what, uh, comes with patience. I feel so, um, you know, and it's not patience without action. This is patience with a lot of work. So. Mm. Amen. Well said. All right. So last questions that I always ask on the think go podcast, you may remember this from before, but fill in the blanks here. Okay. Yep. I am nothing without. God and my ancestors, for real. Hmm. The world needs more unapologetic Black storytellers. Hmm. On that same token, give us one that we should tune into. Ooh. Up and, I'm going to throw an up-and-coming one out. There's a couple, man. That's tough to say. Give but, us one that we can search on the Instagram, on a YouTube, and find. Hmm. 
you got one document documentary filmmaker that I think people should really be watching. Her name's Garrett Bradley. Okay. Very impressive work. Um, she has a documentary on net on uh, Amazon Prime called Time. Time. Uh, very beautiful project. Uh, and if I'm speaking on storytellers, I mean, you know, you can talk about musicians. Um, but there's, I mean, yeah, that's I would say Garrett Bradley. But you know, on a unfortunately, I can't say more because there's a lot of work that needs to be done. <laughs> so. When I talk about like these unapologetic black storytellers, man, like these are people that are not afraid to tell their stories. Um, you know, so the, that's, I, I guess Gary Bradley is the person I can name now, but okay, I, I'll come back with more names. There's okay. some that I'm missing. You put me on the spot with that one. There <laughs> are a bunch. There are a okay, bunch. Okay, if you send me some, I'll put some in the, uh, in the, in the caption when I post this on, uh, on a gram next week, I'll post some, some artists. Maybe we can come together and, and think of some more names. Okay, next question. My biggest joy is? My biggest joy is taking photos now. Like, I really have fallen in love with grabbing my 35 millimeter film cameras and just walking through my neighborhood and traveling with it and just capturing the moment. Shooting on film for like the last two to three years. And I just love just freezing people in time, freezing Mm -hmm. that moment. So, uh, I think that's my greatest joy, and I really enjoy capturing people. And uh, obviously, that's reflective also with film. But just capturing people and capturing and capturing them in that moment is probably my greatest joy right now. Bro, I will tell you, your photos are phenomenal. Thank you, bro. They are really, really, really good. And I'm not gonna lie, I show my I show Amanda all the time whenever you post that those um what do you call it those snapshots right i think that's something that you should do more of honestly sean when you post those pictures and then you have like one right and what that picture means and then you have them you know you have 10 different pictures and you have the number of what the the title of it is right is that what you did yeah that i think is genius and i would love to see more of that so that's awesome I'm gonna drop some. I'm gonna drop some probably in the next month. I got you. I got a. Okay. I got a lot of work that I've been working on. I'm hopefully trying to put together my own gallery show and release a book this year. So wow. that's why I'm holding back a little bit. But I have a lot of photos, man. That I really. I'm. I'm very excited to hopefully release my first book this year, and uh, just have it in people's homes, man. These mm-hmm. these photos really tell a story, and uh, yeah, man. I'm. I'm glad you really enjoyed them, man. That means a lot. I want to send you something too, because you know I was working in Ward Seven and Ward Eight here in Washington D.C., and that's kind of you know that's your inner city of D.C. Um, you know it's poverty stricken, low economic standards of living. It's it's the contrast is stark, right? And there's I forgot what the what the artist is. I got to connect you with him, but he has this whole website, and um, what did they used to call D.C. They used to have a word for what they call DC, Chocolate City, I believe is what it was called. So his website is something, something Chocolate City, and it's all black and white photos of him taking pictures in Ward 7 and Ward 8. And it gave me the very similar vibe to the photos that you had of, you know, homeless people in Harlem, right? In black and white. And, you know, just people walking down the streets in Harlem. And you just see something within these people. It's like, they're not just homeless people. They're not just, you know, how the rest of society perceives them, but they have a story to tell. 
And I think that's why the pictures are so dope. Okay, next question. Our greatest battle is? Our greatest battle is consistency. Mm. Consistency is tough, man. It is very tough. It was very tough. I am someone that thinks gold because? I am someone that thinks gold because... I have accepted my failures and I am working towards my success. Mm. Well said, man. That is the podcast today. That was great. That was great, Sean. That was great. I appreciate you taking the time, man. If you just want to say where people can find you, where's the best place to reach you. Let's start off with the Instagram handle. Yeah, I'm I'm on all social media platforms at Sean Antoine the second. Um, so yeah, if you just search that up, if you just Google my name, my social media platform should pop up. Um, but I'm just glad. I just want to say, I'm very proud of you. Um, even post your football career and everything, you've decided to uh, dive back into you know having your platform, given given a platform for storytellers, people that are influential. Mm-hmm. People that more importantly you believe are influential, and uh, that's important, man. You, you, you're giving all of us a platform, and uh, you know, hopefully, I can speak on behalf of everyone. I'm proud of you, and uh, I'm looking forward to the constant, constant growth. And uh, you know, just keep making sure that you're developing your brand, and uh, you're making sure that it's it's standing for everything that you want Think Gold to be. Hey, man, I appreciate that, Sean. I appreciate that, brother. You have a good night. Thanks for coming on again and uh, look forward to releasing this one. Love you, brother. Take care. Appreciate you, bro. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.